You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Diamond Anniversary Edition of the MXU Podcast. <laughs> I'm here with my Diamond colleagues for episode 75. Jeff Sandstrom and Daddy Worldwide himself has returned from the South Pacific. Jay Desai. What's up, fellas? Diamond colleague makes it sound like we're uh, in like a pyramid scheme and I've reached, you know. Oh, it does. <laughs> the MXU MLM. We're... Uh, we want to talk to you all today about some some energy uh, drinks, skincare products. <laughs> yeah, skin skincare products and energy drinks and soap that we're going to be selling as part of the merch table at the MXU tour. I'll have MXU oil for sale. Don't worry. Oh yeah, Jay Desai beard oil. Come on. My best friend in high school got into Amway and got so mad at me for not buying his stuff. It was so annoying. I've We've, had some dear friends in it forever, and man, at some point, you just got to put an end to it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're good friends now, but he was genuinely upset. He's like, When you if say you, put an end to it, you mean put an end to the friendship, Jay? If if it doesn't stop, some people get <laughs> tunnel vision, and their yeah, only filter is building this thing, which some people have made a lot of money, and then you look yeah. up, and all their friends are in their pyramid, and that, my friend, is a cult. <laughs> Anyway, I'm still friends with you, Andrew, so I still love you. He does not listen to this. Anyway, <laughs> what if we started a pyramid scheme for selling audio equipment to churches? I'm leaving all my comments to myself. <laughs> You're like, yeah, aren't those already say, don't those already just, exist? Yeah. Don't they already exist? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep the keep the brand out of this. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep that out of Christianity today. Leave enough on their hands. Right. There's enough news. Where have you been? You've been some places since I've I went to, to I went to Oregon last week How with the that? fam. Um, it was good. We basically went all the way up and down the Oregon coast. It was sixty five degrees. Oh man. Maybe. Oh man. It was glorious. Great wine. Um, I didn't really have any wine. I don't know why. There's a bunch of kids around. I didn't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> You were drinking only hard liquor. But you know what's terrible up there is there is a massive shortage for restaurant employees. So mm. multiple restaurants we went into would have two servers. Oh, man. Hate that. So, and then to get a reservation, they're like eight, nine days out at every restaurant. So we were eating dinner at places at like 430 because that was the only time you could go eat. Uh. So there was that. But I got to... Got to see all the spots where the Goonies was filmed. Oh, that's cool. It was very cool. There's a museum, which is very overpriced. Don't go. Did um, you go? I did. But they only... Well, it's overpriced, but it's cheap. It was 16 bucks for the family to go into the museum. But it's nothing there. It's just like... Goonies it was, memorabilia? Yeah, not really. It's You know the jail that they, the Fratellis break out of? Yeah. That's yeah. the museum. So when you walk in, you have like the hallway of cells, and in each cell they have memorabilia set up that you can look into. That's oh, that's funny. But that's it. That's the whole. That's museum. someone's job. That's just wild. Two people. Sloth loves chunk, though. That's all I'm saying. The Jeep Cherokee's parked outside. That's awesome. Yeah. So I posted a picture of this. This will be connected to our church technical friends. Actually, I posted a picture of this. 
of that day. And Mike Eisman from D&B DMs me a YouTube link. Now, Mike used to be on the technical staff at Willow Creek in Chicago. And now he works at D&B. So he sends me his YouTube link. I click on it. And it's a YouTube channel dedicated to going to cities of like cult films and going around the town and looking at all the places where the film happened. Okay. And the video he sent me was about the Goonies. So I click on the video and I start watching and I'm like, the, the host, that's Curtis Templeton, who's a tech director in Southern California and Las Vegas. Curtis is now running this YouTube channel and had this like 30-minute video touring Astoria, Oregon and all these sites. And they let Curtis drive the Jeep. Oh, that's And hilarious. it's in his video. That's awesome. Yeah. So my reply to Mike was, cool video. Oh, my gosh, I know him. So <laughs> Just that was goes awesome. to show tech directors don't do anything. They got all the time on their hands. No, they don't. <laughs> um, and Jay, you just got back. I did. I went to State 50. I went to. I'd never been to Maui, so this was. A, I'd been. I've been to Hawaii, but I've never been to Maui, so that was. Were a you first. in um, Kanapali or Wailea? I was in um, Kanapali. I was um, at an event for a couple of days up north of that in Lana something, but wherever the Ritz is, Lahaina, Lahaina. Yeah, so I was at the Ritz for a few days for a week. And that was work, and it was awesome. And then we went to Kanapali for um, a okay. week. Everyone listening right now is saying, how do I get paid to do tech work at the Ritz in Hawaii? So I'll, I just woke up and said, send me, Lord. <laughs> and it was in my Delta app. Um, this was a fundraising event for some uh, for an organization. Yeah, And it was awesome. But And I've worked with this particular organization for years, and it was fun. I loved Maui. It was crazy. Let me tell you what's insane. Oh. Rental cars. Yes. F- flying there was absurd, just the amount of time. I would have much rather gone to Europe. Um, but I went Atlanta, Salt Lake, Salt Lake to um, Maui direct because I didn't want to go Atlanta to Honolulu and then a puddle jumper because we carried gear. Like I carried an LV1. I carried Axiant. I carried a bunch of stuff. And so that puddle jumper just didn't make me feel that great. And I got a few more sky miles this way, which sky That's miles really are my currency the for the biggest, life. most yeah. important thing. <laughs> right. So um, also, we don't have to talk about this topic, but my fat ass was laying in first class, as I do, with my mask on. And it was just not enjoyable for both of those five, six no. hour flights. Oh, it was a, so I just got under the blanket and took my mask off. There you go. No one called Delta. Thanks. Um, I had a great time. And uh, how long were you vacationing after a the week? Event? I worked a week and vacated a week. That's awesome. But rental cars is what I was saying, or like 450 for a cheap one if you can yeah. get one per day. Per day. People In Hawaii. Are, people are renting U hauls and driving around. <laughs> Um, we Ubered to, we didn't really leave the hotel and then we walked to dinner or we Ubered to dinner, which was normal. Ubers were normal. Um, who'd except, you vacation with? Um, I don't, I don't think Ryan and Sarah, who Jeff know. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jeffrey B and Shannon, Shannon's brother. Oh yeah. And, and sister. Nice. And then, um, friends, Chris and Cassandra McDonald. Chris, um, owns 
a production company here in Atlanta called DPAV. <clears throat> and uh, it was their gig that we were on. And so... So a bunch of y'all from the gig stayed. Yeah, just five of us. So we rented a Jeep Wrangler and went to the top of the volcano, though. Nice. And that was unreal. We went for sunsets. We went up in the late afternoon, and the clouds were sitting at about 8,000 feet, and the top of the volcano is 10,000. So we were up above That's the clouds. Awesome. And then on the, way, on the way down, we just pulled off and just all climbed on top of the Jeep and just watch the star have that stupid star app you know which i call it stupid it's actually awesome where you can just yeah. point it and it tells you you know where all the planets and all that stuff so it shows it was, you where elon's at at all times right it was crazy what was awesome though is uh my friend shane kimbrough flew over hawaii while i was there no way which is cool uh what what was what vehicle is he in uh he was in uh spacex then the the one that just went up yeah yeah. You say it like, oh, somebody flew yeah, over. He was, well, yeah, he was flying. Yeah, he's an astronaut. He's an astronaut. He, he's, <laughs> he's floating. He was. He was floating yeah. above me. He posted a photo of Hawaii. Yeah, it was awesome. Anyways, Hawaii was awesome. I had a great time. The R and R was fun. The food was good. The hangs were good. And I don't have any tan lines. There you go. <laughs> Is that because you wore long sleeves and pants? No, but I'm browned out <laughs> everywhere now. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I just hang out at the pool. All day. Because you know what's in the ocean? Sharks. Yeah. You didn't get in the water? Well, I did. I went and played for a little bit. But yeah. I liked it. You know how some people go to the ocean every day? Yeah. I'd rather go to the pool because the pool is where they bring you lunch and snacks and beverages. And there's no and sharks. Um, and also, there's no sharks. And like, if I'm a shark and I'm looking around, like if the three of us were in the water, I'm going to go for me first. I look like a McDonald's chicken <laughs> nugget to a shark. <laughs> I was thinking more like a Chick-fil-A chicken strip. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, but then I, I came back. I got right back to work, man. I landed on Wednesday, went to church for rehearsal. That I night? Uh-huh. I landed at 2 and went straight to church. And then the next day I flew to Reno and did a couple shows with country. Oh, I texted you. A country yeah. artist named Nico Moon. Um, yeah. He's coming up for a few days. And then... Um, I'm mixed on Sunday at church. Did you mix for Nico? What were you doing? I did. I was mixing in front of house for Nico. That's awesome. Um, He's got a great new LV1 rig. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That a couple of us have put together. And uh, then I flew home Saturday, mixed at church on Sunday, back to another gig on Monday. The hustle doesn't stop. It doesn't, but the vacations haven't stopped all summer either. No, 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 no. Yeah. And we've been we've been talking about this, you know, we've been kind of hinting around this topic of like rest and vacation. And I feel like we need a cohesive way to talk about it. I think it's super important. I think our version of talking about mental health shouldn't just be about saying that there's mental health problems. It should be providing resources to help. So I don't know what that means yet. We don't really have a, a good plan for it, but well, we've talked a little bit about it, and I think I think the few ideas that we've had are good ones. Just for those of you who are curious about that and care about it, just know that MXU is caring about it too. And so, I really yeah. think in 2022 you're going to see some very specific things related to resources 
that we're going to offer that will help you strategize around rest, self-care, mental health, all that. So be on the lookout because we, we care about it and we want to help you guys have fun while doing it and pour into what that might look like to do it together. So that's all I can say about that now, yeah. but just so people know we're not superheroes, we struggle with it too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so that's why we care so much about it. For it sure. Our problem as well. I care more about helping people solve the problem because I know the young church tech directors, the families aren't making six figures and able to just take off and take their family backpacking across Europe all summer. Like that's not a reality right. for sure. us. Right. right. So how do we help people crack the code on being able to escape regularly and get away and unplug and combine all this talk about vacations and doing them affordably with Kerry Newhoff tweeted something this week. I have to go back and see what it was, but he was basically like a shorter work week can, can mean more output. Yeah. You just have to be more efficient. So like, if you know, you're going to only have a 30 hour work week, a lot of times you can get more done in that 30 hours than you could have in a 40 hour week. So that's good. You know what I'm saying? So I want some people, I don't know if there's anybody out there who can listen to this that could test this without getting themselves in trouble, but don't tell anyone, don't tell your bosses, try and do a 30 hour work week with the same workload that you'd normally have and just see if you can do it, but use that extra time and go home and spend time with your family or do something for yourself. And when you get fired, uh, look at our job listings because <laughs> yeah. we just put some out. So way to get people fired, Lee. Yeah, sorry. Don't tell anybody I told you to do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like sometimes the church tech staff just kind of sets around the office and looks at YouTube a little. I know I've joked about that before and been kind of serious, but there's a time to just hustle in there for a few days and then get out the last two and go see a concert or go to a nice dinner or go to a national park or or just binge Netflix for a day with your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, you know? I don't yeah. know. Don't do it with your girlfriend if you're married. No, do it with the lights on during the day, setting up right. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Is that <laughs> I don't know what, why that made me laugh. <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> no. Okay. Don't edit that out, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Jeff, what have you been up to? Oh, man. I've been up to a little bit of trying to rest myself. Um, But for me, we haven't done any major vacation. Um, Ours have been more local. We went to um, the South Carolina coast last weekend, which is only a few hours away, um, to visit my mother-in-law. And then I've been playing a bunch of golf, which is always the way for me to recharge and unplug. And so it's been good. Um, we went to the lake for a weekend, you know, just little things here and there. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. We've had a great summer. Um, it's hard to believe that it's over. My daughter had volleyball tryouts the last couple of days and 
had her first practice today. So it feels like school has already started because that's going to be like every morning from now until when school starts in two weeks. Um, so we're kind of trying to get back into some rhythm for the fall, which is crazy that summer's already over. But I know it's coming. My nephew started first grade today. Man, my son had seventh grade orientation today. What wow, the heck? Times. It's a brave new world for you, Lee. I know there were some eighth graders there, and I'm like, this Joker's 6'3 and has a beard. Yeah. Dakota is not. Is, no. <laughs> He's got a beard's worth of hair under his armpit, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, Stella starts high school, so she's she's going headlong into ninth grade. So it's a uh, and let me let me know if I need to start following around school for a week. You definitely send, do. Send a message. Yep, I'll uh, I've got you on speed dial. because um, it's the don't take your gun to the school. You can take it to the airport. You can get out of that eventually. The school is a whole other. You're right. Yeah, you end up on a permanent list. You end up yeah. CNN will have you quick on that one. But anyway, it's going good. Hey, I want to talk about the tour. Yep, tour. It's coming up. It is coming up. I want to talk about some of the gear and stuff too. Okay, and we can talk about how, like, what I'm going to wear gear, go. or like, what, yeah, what are you specific? What are you going to wear? Bro, I wear a black T-shirt every day. Okay, this one's gray. <laughs> That's gray. It's, yeah, it's hard to tell. I don't have a nice camera like you. I don't it's know not it a. Is. It's not a red Komodo you got there. <laughs> no, that's my wingback chair. Um, I think we've landed on what consoles we're going to all be using. Yeah. Dum dum dum. So, the big announcement I think on the console front is what Jeff is going to be using. Yeah. So everybody, not everybody, some of us are going to have two consoles. So you're going to have your LV one. I'll have LV one, and then I because will- what would it be without your toys? Yeah, but it sounds really good. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have LV1, which is great. And then I'm also going to have, for the first time at any MXU live event, a Lavo console, which yeah. a lot of people have been curious about but have never gotten to put their hands on. So we're going to have that live and in person for everybody to experience. At Have they been around the for tour. a long time? Yeah, they have. They've broadcast. His- broadcast and video gear so they do a ton of io transport conversion different types of super high-end video stuff but then they've done broadcast audio for a long time at a high level so you know the the top of the line consoles in the broadcast world they're they're in that list but they've recently i don't even say recently it's it's recently starting to be installed into some churches. So that's what caught our interest. So Granger in Indiana has one. Um, Flatirons has a couple now out in Denver. And uh, we've been talking to Tony with Lavo for a while now and thought, you know, it probably makes sense. They've got a new product coming out this fall. So that's what Jeff's going to be using. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's... um. You know, it's been out of the reach of most churches from a stewardship perspective, but they've got some um, scalability options and some smaller format options, you know, smaller frames that are now more within the reach of the the church market. And so, you know, we feel good about helping to just let people know what they're about and get to see and hear how the consoles perform, which is really cool. 
So there's that. And then, um, Lee, you're going to have, obviously, Ravage. Um, Old Faithful. I'm going to use the PM5. PM5. I'm not going to use a 7 or a 10 like I have before. Great. So I'm going to use the 5 because it's so much cheaper. It's it's really cheap, actually. So I like being able to do that. And then, obviously, Chris Raybold, who is going to be at every date, which is awesome, is going to have his... Digico SD7, which is, for those of you who don't know, a rather beastly um, yeah. example of a great console. And uh, um, and and then Chris is also going to be using Yamaha. a Yamaha TF. Ooh. Yes, so he'll have so both ends of the spectrum, one extreme to the other. Yep, Adam Taylor. Is going to be mixing at these events at some of them. Yep. And he's going to be on a Quantum 338. So it's Digico's new bigger desk that is beautiful. It's gorgeous. By the way. Yeah. It's like, it's the best looking console I've ever seen. Well, just for the screens. I mean, the screens are stunning. Yeah. Do they have a different, um, a hue or I don't know what the word is. I'm not a video guy, palette or whatever, than the regular Digico screens when I've seen it. They, the color temp feels a little different. It's just HD and super high contrast. I mean, it's it's like they just look better. They just look so much better. But yeah. would would Rusty approve uh, of the screens? They look pretty. I think so. Yeah. And Corey Edwards is using S6L. Yep. Corey will be with us in LA, Dallas, and Chicago at our two day events. Which you need to get tickets of that. Brought to you um, by Avino Lotion. By yeah, exactly. Yes. And um, I'm going to use a small console. I just don't know which one yet. Well, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday, and I'm, yeah. I'm kind of thinking that we'll land one of two places, and it's probably we. You know, we may have them both and just trade it up. You know, change it up from day to day. But we're, yeah. we're talking about um, the Allen and Heath SQ series. Yep. Yep. And or the Persona Studio Live. Yeah. Which, Jeff, you just filmed a bunch of content in the Studio Live that's being edited right yeah, now. Yeah. So we have a bunch of videos coming on along along the lines of what we did with, you know, M32 and um, the Wing and some of the smaller format consoles that we've been doing content lately for. Um, we did about, I don't know, 20 or so videos on the persona studio live 32s and i hadn't spent any time with personas products in a long time and i gotta say the new studio live product is pretty good like i'm i was impressed and i probably wouldn't have recommended it you know a few years ago but i think what they're doing now is I mean, it's super easy to get around on. It sounds good. The networkability and just the, you know, record and playback capability and having just getting 32 channels of audio in and out of it is so easy. Um, it's just, I was, I was impressed. I think the user interface is really good. Um, it, it was fun to work with. So I can't wait for you guys to see those videos and hopefully be able to check it out. Yeah, three thousand bucks. You know, 
for a 33 faders. I mean, they, and they have different options. They got smaller ones that are cheaper and so on and so yeah. forth. And, and they've got a 64 channel version one too. 64 that, channel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so that's awesome. really cool. So yeah, maybe some days I'm using one of those and then maybe I'm on an SQ the other. I, I just love, Oh, and what we did talk about Jeff is like when we mix, we take like, let's say I have an hour. I'm on the PM five. Yep. And I'm, we're working with like one song. Right for 45, 50 minutes at the end of that, play that same song back through that small desk so that people can hear the differences. Yeah. And I don't think it'll be night and day. Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's to hear the differences, but then it's also to sort of encourage people that you don't necessarily have to have an $80,000 desk to get great results. I mean, I think not that the $3,000 desk will sound exactly the same, but it'll be no. a good exercise in saying, okay, what are the trade-offs? And is it worth considering, especially for a student room, a portable campus, you know, a, a, a church plant, something that's not going to break the bank? Right. And when we've got a live band there in LA, Dallas, and Chicago, uh, everyone bring your in-ear monitors. Yes. So I think it's safe to say we're almost confirmed on this we're going to have a bunch of inner monitor receivers or a way for you to hear what kyle and digico are going to do with the clang system yes so there'll be a live band we'll do a live demo and we'll have we're trying to get around a hundred uh receivers to pass around through the audience so that you guys can hear that so that should be really cool yeah so basically you know for example in la and chicago and dallas we've got We've got room for a couple hundred people. And so um, imagine sitting there listening to the PA and the guy next to you has his in-ears in listening to monitor mixes. Then five minutes later, you guys trade and you take the pack and put your ears in and listen to what the drummer's hearing and listen to Kyle, how he communicates mixing monitors. And you just kind of spend the day sort of listening to the PA, listening to monitors, kind of back and forth. And it'll be something completely different than anything we've ever done. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's rad. I haven't heard Clang once. I haven't even heard a demo of it. It's pretty stunning. Is it? Yes, it is. And I think it's it's because it does the way it does the binaural thing and how you get imagery sort of up and down as well as left and right. And it's it's not necessarily the sort of 360, even though there is some stuff that you can do from behind you. But I think to me, it's the, it's the vertical focus of panning that's interesting. Um, and the way it's, it's funny, when I first saw the demo, the way the person doing the demo described it was um, the thing that's very most important, not only put it in the center, left to right, but put it a little bit up. And the reason for that, when the guys in Germany who developed it, the reason they decided that and the reason physiologically it's so impactful is that as a toddler, when you're reaching up for your mom, the focus of her voice is coming from just up a little bit. And so to have a click track that's a little bit higher than dead center you can get away with turning it down because your brain 
just has, it gives priority to whatever is a little bit up vertically. And it was fascinating. It's like, so you do some of that and then you do some of the 360 panning and all that. And you get this mix that's just tons of depth yeah. and tons of clarity. And then you flip back to stereo and it's like your head sucks in because I'm like, this is not right. I don't want to do anything without this immersive thing ever again. So, well, I'm I'm calling BS on everything you just said. Good. I don't think that's true. Okay. So, well, you hate monitors. So, well, my wife's like six inches shorter than me. So, <laughs> my voice <laughs> is coming to her just just up a little bit. My mom and I are the same height. We've been the same height my whole life. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My wife ignores every damn thing I say to her. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> That's funny. I'm just kidding. Anyway, it's it's a fascinating product, and I can't wait for people to hear it. Do you still have to have an exterior controller of some sort? There's an app, yeah. You don't have to have hardware. Right, right. I know that they made a card. So you used to have to have the Fabrique hardware was external. Now you have the card, and there is a, a controller application that runs... On like a computer. You, on your laptop or something? Yeah. That's great. Uh, audio Audio World has more screens than it's ever had in its life. It's kind of weird. Did you see uh, Robert's photo of the lab the session lab, he just I know. did? I, like, it's I was just like, <laughs> what are all these? It's a spaceship. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like as many screens as Zach Kimry's control room. I love it. I want to go to the lab. I know. I'm going to watch it. He... The latest videos on bus to bus workflows, which oh, I'm super cool. into. Yeah. Um, changing lanes a little bit. Uh, Daniel Cannell sent me a stage plot and the fixture list for the tour. Very exciting. And a lot of strobes. It's, yeah, it's uh, 127 atomic strobes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, that's all it is. I'm just kidding. It's, he's doing what he said he was going to do. It's, it's simple. And it's obtainable for a lot of churches. So it's around two dozen lights. That's it. Yeah. And there's a small, medium-sized LED wall. Like, you know, I, I don't even know that it'll be 20 feet wide. It'll be like a 16-foot LED wall. It's probably 16 by 9. It's something like that. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yep. We're excited. So I'm stoked about that. Yeah. For those of you who don't have tickets yet, just know... Charlotte is sold out. There's plenty of room. If you want to come to California, you can go to Anaheim for the two-day event. Chicago for the two-day event still has a bunch of space. Dallas, we're oversold, so I'm not sure where we're going to put those people, but um, it's yeah. we're, we're going to figure that out. Um, and then, you know... We're still selling tickets to Dallas because we have room. Yeah, but. yeah. But... If you it's have if, if you have flexibility and can go to LA or Chicago, you might get more. Plus, LA is going to be the first one, so we're going to have. <laughs> you know what? We should change the name from LA to Riverside because maybe that's why uh, people are afraid to go there. <laughs> Would they be less afraid to go to Riverside? I don't, I don't think, think people. I don't think anyone knows where Riverside is. That's what I'm saying. I don't think people understand. They just think LA. What if they shut the power and the water off because it's a super spreader? <laughs> oh, that's true. So it's Riverside. It's fine. It's Riverside. It's at Sandals Church, our friends there, which um, they are open and staying open. So we're we're doing the event. Yeah. But yeah. I can't wait. We are. No, me neither. Six weeks away. 
Is that it? Yes. Wow. That's I guess that's true. We ordered merch um this week. We're ordering merch. You know that camo hat that we never sold that people want? Um there's 400 of them on the way to sell at the tour. Okay. It's such a good hat. So, maybe that's enough reason for people to come to the tours because they get all this cool merch available only at an MXU live tour event. That's true. Unless we have a bunch left over, then they'll be on eBay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Black Friday specials. Um, hey, can we talk about some gear for a second? Yeah. So I know a lot of people are doing podcasting, and some people have asked about what gear we use for podcasts, which we use DPA headsets and Earthworks. I'm using an Earthworks icon. But we have these um, Gator Frameworks podcast stands in our office. We had four of them. And the exact same part on all four of those stands broke in the same week, about four months into their life. Yeah. So for those of you who've who have it maybe or have seen it, it's basically this the stand that has a crank down clamp that you can stick to a desktop. And that that clamp, you know, you've got to really bear down on it to get it tight enough to be able to, you know, jockey the the arm, the boom arm to where you need it to be. And that clamp gave up the ghost literally the same week on all four of those stands. Yep. It's a piece of crap. Don't buy it. Okay. Sorry. What what did you replace it with? So Steven at Mike Rentals, I told him like, hey, we need new stands. So the one you're looking at here is fresh out of the box today. It is the Rode PSA1 broadcaster stand. And it is night and day different. Does it still have the XLR integrated? No, which I like. Yeah. It does not have the cable built in. So that Frameworks one, the cable's in, and it was kind of a crappy cable. Yeah. So yeah, I don't now, need the stand to have the cable built in. As long as I got some cable, like Velcro or something, make it clean. The Gator, the Frameworks one was plastic. The whole thing was, except for the clasp on the desk. This whole thing is some type of metal. It might even be aluminum. But the mechanism that connects to the desk is bulletproof. That's it's great. way better. So anybody out there doing podcasting, the Rode PSA1 is the way to go. And um, Stephen let me know that he has a bunch of the Josephson C42 microphones in stock now. So you can call and rent those. For those of you who heard our discussion about snare miking and experimentation and all that those mics are now in stock so go to mikerentals.com use mxu15 at checkout for 15 percent off your order get a josephson mic and a podcasting mic stand and man you'd have a you'd be rocking like docking rocking like docking i just went on his website the other day just to see what i could rent like that i want to play with yeah um, those those mics, by the way, they sell a matched pair that are black. Yeah, they do. They look cool. Is, yeah, they're kind of flat black. Which this one I have through. is just silver. Yeah, boring. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and then MXU now and Teams. We I've got a bunch of new content on there. We've been talking a ton online and on the podcast about delay compensation. Well, Chris Stevens, front house engineer for Jason Aldean. Yep. He does it manually in his SSL console. So the videos are he and Corey Edwards. So Corey hosted these videos for us. Corey spent time with Chris talking about how he mixes Jason 
they go through their console file, how he does manual delay compensation and all that. And then next week, second week of August, we're releasing uh, the training content we shot with Elevation Church. So all of Elevation's portable campuses have a similar style load-in, load-out um, uh, gear list. So we went to Charlotte, Jeff and I, and they showed us step-by-step how they set up a campus, and they're using that content to train their volunteers. So we thought, man, this would be really cool if we put this on the MXU Now library so that other churches could see, A, what type of gear Elevation's using at their portable campus, but B, how much they have thought about training. Like everything is thought about a volunteer in mind, why they chose the router they did, why they chose the lighting console, how the looms are labeled, which direction the cables go. Uh, Day one of a volunteer at Elevation, they watch these videos to get them off to the races in a successful way. We think they're really cool. They're available next week. Yep. And so when you watch those videos, you're going to see an example of a playlist that you would use in MXU Teams, for example. So it's a great way, if you're not a team subscriber, to see the playlist feature and how you might be able to use training materials like that for your team in terms of your ability to put them in order, assign videos, track your team's progress in the way that Elevation will for their volunteers. Because basically, they're going to say to their volunteers, hey, we know you've signed up to serve. Step one is to watch these videos so that when they show up day one for serving, They have some idea of what they're looking at. Even if they have no experience, they can go, oh, that's the case that goes on that side of the stage because I watched this video. So just to, you know, as an introduction to playlists and MXU teams, that's a great place to start. All right. Well, I think that brings us to interview time. We got quite the special guest today. Something really different. I'm so excited because you and I were just randomly on the phone yesterday catching up after your vacation and we were talking about some stuff and... I knew you'd been to San Diego to hang out at a church where you have a friend who's the executive worship pastor. And you told me about this guy. And I was like, you know what? We just got to have a conversation because this is a great story. It is. And if you're out there listening and maybe sometimes you tune out on the interviews, I totally get it. Now, this guy does not mix for Bruno Mars or Tom Petty or anyone uber famous. However, without guys like Brian... Your job, your seat on your volunteer church tech team, whatever role you have, might not exist the way it does. And I'm going to tell you why. Brian Frazee has been working in church ministry on staff for 40 years in two churches. The first one he was at for 13 years, and the one he's at now, he's been for 27. Now, he was a part of ministries that back in the early 80s, wanted to be broadcasters, so radio and television. And these pastors who he worked with, David Jeremiah, John Maxwell, anybody heard of that name? Those were the guys that all of our pastors now were looking up to, to be influenced by. So when they were talking about what cool churches, they Elevation wasn't around, Hillsong was not around. It was in the 80s, it was the, what's Bill Hybels doing? What's Willow Creek doing? What's David Jeremiah and Shadow Mountain doing? So we're about to hear from Brian, who was a part of all of that. We owe it to him just to honor his legacy, his career, and the influence he's had over all of us. Here we go. We think you guys will really enjoy this. All right. We are super excited about our guest today. We I don't think we've ever had a guest like this because there aren't many people 
like Brian Frazee from San Diego, California. I was visiting a church. I have a friend who just became the new executive worship pastor at a church in San Diego called Skyline, and he introduced me to the church's technical director, Brian. But Brian, you've been at Skyline Church for 27 years as the technical director. That's correct. So when he said that, and then he said, and before that, I spent 13 years with Pastor David Jeremiah at Shadow Mountain in San Diego, I thought, you've been a church technical director for 40 years. Yes. And we leave uh, that day. I called Jeff and told him about it. And Jeff said, we have to get him on the podcast. So, Brian, because anybody... Anybody who's been doing this since 1981 or so, 80 or 81, has forgotten more about most of what church production means than any of our regular listeners who are about 27 will will ever know. So we're pleased to have you here, and uh, it's just going to be a fun conversation to talk about your history and uh, the importance of staying power and legacy and what it means to just pour into a place for that long and to be a part of such great ministries. So, Brian, I think we here. actually met now that I recall. Uh, I had come through with Crowder. Okay. Yes. And tw- would have been, to, you probably just remember a short, angry guy yelling. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that was for sure me. So, yeah, that was a couple of years here at Skyline. Yeah, I think that would have been 2014. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which at that point, you were still in 30 year. 30-something year, 10-year, so. Right. Yeah, hadn't crossed over 40 yet. No. So, um, so before we, I guess, before we go back to the, the beginning and start kind of hearing your story, um, you are retiring, is that correct? That's what I'm doing. I th- okay, so for everybody listening, Skyline <laughs> is looking for a really good TD. <laughs> so if you're, in the, if you're in the market for a really good church to, to serve at, uh, we'll make sure you can connect with Brian and get him your Is resume. there like a retirement guild for former church TDs, or do they not last that long? <laughs> I generally? don't know, but if you guys can direct me to one, I'd, be, I'd love, to, love to join it. That's hilarious. So, Brian, when I first met you, the first thing I told you was thank you for paving the way for, yeah. I said specifically, guys like me, but what are, what, who we're really talking to is the thousands of people listening to this right now. Without guys like you in the birth of the evangelical church and using technology and, and, and what you saw actually, actually be birthed, we wouldn't have jobs. We wouldn't have ministry opportunity to... Uh, use our gifts and develop hobbies like we've had. So right. I just want to say publicly, thank you for everything that you've done and setting an example for churches literally all over the world. It's just such a cool thing that, you know, to have someone like you on our podcast has been doing this for so long. Well, thank you. And I'm glad to be here. So why don't you tell us back when you started with David Jeremiah, like how did you what was your history with tech before that, and what was it like? Well, so I started, I was recruited by the combination youth pastor music director at my home church when I was 13 years old. Uh, grew up mm. in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, uh, we had an active church. It was a pretty big church, about 500 members or so. And uh, the, uh, the youth pastor spotted me one day and said, hey, how would you like a job? 
<laughs> I, I said, sure. I said, well, it's just, he said, it's just Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and I just need you to, to help me set up the sound system and, uh, and set chairs in the youth room. And then on Sundays, uh, do the same, uh, set up the mics and, and then tear them down after church. And that's how I got started. Uh, the- now was that, you know, an input list of 74 microphones and a rack of wireless or <laughs> it was actually uh, five microphones on a six channel sure vocal master mixer. That so, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I set up uh, I set up a couple of choir mics and we plugged the mic that was on the pulpit into this uh this little six channel head and uh set up the two uh column speakers and um uh, and uh, had church. And then, of course, it was all very valuable, so we had to pack it all up and put it in the locked closet after church so nobody could get their hands on it. So that's when a permanent church facility still had a portable PA. Exactly. <laughs> well, because really all you were amplifying were, like you say, the choir mics, the pastor, and maybe a singer or two, because everything else was acoustic, piano and organ yes. and choir. For the most part, so no electronic instruments, no drums for sure at that point. So exactly, uh, we had the choir director who would uh, uh, would be well, he would song lead from the pulpit, and so you would have vocalist on uh, a couple of mics. But we also used this same sound system for the youth group, and uh, we played back something called tracks on a reel-to-reel tape recorder. <laughs> No way. Yeah. This is back in 1974, 1975. Uh, We would go on little tours around Arizona, and we would set up this sound system. We'd have a youth choir, and they would sing back with uh, tracks uh, on a reel-to-reel. Before cassettes, even. It was just reel-to-reel tape. So were um, were all the tracks kind of on one continuous... Real or were you having to change out reels throughout the concert? No, it was all the the youth pastor had put it all in the correct order on one reel, and so we would just play it and then stop and play and stop, and so and that was intermixed with uh, the uh, youth pastor's wife who played piano. So uh, it was. Gotcha. I know a few worship leaders that could benefit from being locked into one tape that they can't change the order of the songs. <laughs> exactly. Not only the order, but the arrangement and the, yeah. you know, the, the tempo, sounds and tempo. everything. <laughs> tempo, yeah. Well, no I guess click. you could speed it up, but it would change the key, too, if you did that. That's true. When I moved into college, we had we had multiple reels, and you'd have to set them up and cue them in advance and set them all, stack them to the side, and then change reels mid-show. Wow. Yeah. So like me, I guess your first editing then was literally cutting and pasting with a razor blade and tape. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So how did you get from Scottsdale and teenage years to David Jeremiah and the Turning Point stuff? Uh, an older friend of mine um, was going to a college called uh, Lynchburg. Well, it was Liberty Baptist College, basically, and it's now Liberty University. And he said, hey, they've got a great music program. They've got... Uh, uh, they do sound and things like that. You might like it there. And so I ended up there and, uh, um, and, um, met the, he was the head engineer at Thomas road Baptist church. And I had had some experience and he got me plugged into a uh, music group that was there at the college and I ran sound for them. Wow. Great. And then after college moved to San Diego. Yes. Uh, yeah, I moved straight from college to, uh, San Diego and started with uh, David Jeremiah 
and uh, at that time the prog- uh, the church was called Scott Memorial Baptist Church, and they hadn't changed their name to Shadow Mountain yet, but uh, they needed somebody to uh, help put together a sound system in the old building that they were meeting in. Uh, this wow. the system hanging from the ceiling was uh, old Altec cabinets and horns, and they had the old green face Altec uh, amplifiers, and that's which where I started. T- which are very uh, popular these days. A lot of the Altec pre's and stuff. A lot of the studio guys are loving that stuff. That's true. Just making it balanced now, but that's uh, Altec Lansing. That's yes. the uh, connection there with the predecessor to JBL. See, and yeah, y'all are schooling me. I didn't know any of this. The, the yeah. L in the L in uh, JBL stands for Lansing. Does it really? Yeah, I'll send you. An, I'll send you. I'll school you. Does JB you stand for Justin Bieber? <laughs> yeah, Justin Bieber Lansing. Yes, that's what it's. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So, and then you saw the launch of a television ministry. Yeah, we uh, we it's. It was really interesting. Uh, I was there at Shadow Mountain for a couple of years and met my wife there. And while we were on our honeymoon, um, well, we came. I came back from the honeymoon, and uh, the first news I got was uh, that uh, Dr. Jeremiah wanted to start a radio program, and he wanted to start this week. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. <laughs> nothing's, tra- nothing's changed, I see, in ministry. Nothing's yeah. changed at all. <laughs> And so we were recording his sermons on reel to reel at the time, and we started. We uh, we went back to those uh, reels for the sermon series, and uh, we would split them into two. Uh, he would uh, we would do it. We were doing a daily program, and uh, he would put put half of the sermon on like Monday, and the second half of the sermon was Tuesday. And we would literally sit there in real time. He would be in the studio with the makeshift studio, and he would record a uh, a. Uh, an intro to it, and then I would play it in real time. And then as we were coming to the end, I'm giving him a signal and say, we're coming up on our what we decided was the end point. And, and then I'd fade that out, and he would do an outro. And then we would cut back up to a little bit. We'd back up a little ways and do the next day. And so that's how we started doing them before, and wow. before we got into uh, starting to edit with a razor blade and putting together and doing multiple at once. That's incredible. Uh, Monday, when we were together, we were talking about PA and different things. And you mentioned something I want you to talk about, that there were some cameras that you guys upgraded to, and you knew if they were powered on (laughs) when you walked in the building because of the high frequency coming from the tubes in the camera. When we moved from radio and he wanted to start television, we we had an agency come in and help us, and and they located an old uh, used television production van in Alabama. And my father and I dr- flew to Alabama and drove it back to Scotts. Uh, well, it would be uh, to San Diego, and uh, and this van had two SK seventy. Or there were two Hitachi SK seventy three tube cameras, and uh, we set those up in the church and uh, got the proper lighting and all of that. But uh, I remember that. Uh, I could walk in the building and hear if somebody had left them on or not, uh, just by the high frequency uh, sound that it was emitting. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so when I walked into Skyline Monday, you know, there's I don't know 400 panels of LED on stage. There's 50 brand new Verilite moving head fixtures. There's a line array and digital consoles. 
So what has it been like to go from six channels and a sure vocal master to where you're at now and, and, you know, leaving your hat on the console here soon with retirement? Like, just talk about a little bit of that, what you've seen happen. Well, I think it's mostly been, you just, you just build on the experience you have uh, your previous experience. And so you, you get used to something and, and a new project comes along or uh, you get the opportunity to get new equipment and you bring that in and you learn it. And it's, it's just been a process over the years and it doesn't seem like such a giant leap after just doing it one step at a time. It's just been like climbing a set of stairs and you get to a new point and you get, you get, um, get trained on it or you figure it out or you you figure out all the workarounds to make it do what you want because you can't get what you really need. Uh, Hmm. uh, But then what it feels like lately is the steps are getting smaller and you're running faster. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's good. And your team at Skyline, it's a, it's a big church. Like I just kind of threw out some stats on the gear but you're the only staff production person. That's Everything correct. else is being run by volunteers. Yes. So talk to us about your philosophy and how you've approached attracting volunteers and training them. Because most churches with the types of equipment and programming that you guys have, they're fully staffed out, audio, video, and lighting, engineering. So talk to us about that. Well, I've been blessed with a, with a great core of volunteers um, that uh, I've been able to build the whole rest of the team around. Um, for a long time, I had, um, I had great success in bringing in high schoolers and young college people. Uh, but it was, it was in the earlier days and um, when they didn't have access to the things that the church had. The church had the electronics, the church had the cool, uh, the cool lights, the cool sound and so forth. And it was attractive to a teenager, to some, to some of the guys to come in and say, Hey, this looks really neat. Uh, can I help? Or, you know, it's easy to say, Hey, would you like to help? Uh, what I'm finding these days is, uh, the kids have this in their home already. They've got yeah. it on their phones. They've got it on their games. Uh, they've got it on television. So the electronics at church is nothing new. Uh, in fact, it's not very, in some cases, isn't very attractive to them. Uh, but, uh, beyond that, um, uh, the uh, the uh, success I've had is by having a core of uh, three or four or five guys and then building the team by using uh, the uh, cameraman as the entrance. Because for me, uh, teaching somebody to run camera has been the very simplest thing to do. Uh, not only, you know, just if you can start out by saying, hey, if you can just point the thing and and you got steady hands, we can teach you how to do it. And then you've got the beauty of having a, di- a director on headset, and he can tell them what to do. So that's been our entry point. And as the guys get used to that, and they see what the program's going on, they slide into other positions. Uh, and so um, that's how that's how I built our program here. That's cool. And there, I did see some younger folks on the team, but your wife also serves on the team. She does, and she has served with me uh, since I started here at Skyline. Uh, she came on uh, Skyline as a staff member. She worked in the music department as the uh, as a uh, um, music pastor's assistant. And when we started uh, 27 years ago, she was producing uh, sets of slides for slide trays for uh, our 
for the worship songs. Wow. And we've gone obviously from slides and we moved to video projectors and now LED walls, but she's, she's come the entire, the entire way from doing the slides and then typing up words on the computer. And now she's doing, uh, uh, she's doing ProPresenter and PVP and putting it up on LED wall. Well, not many couples can say that they have a 27 year shared history of serving in church production. That's pretty amazing. It's been amazing to have her, and it's been it's been a huge blessing, and it's sure helped the workload too. And we work well together. Uh, we've done lots of production together. When uh, when Skyline had the living Christmas tree uh, for the last five years, the tree uh, on his, uh, she was the uh, she was the um, executive producer's assistant, um, and uh, she did all the budgeting and handled all the volunteers and all the programming. It was amazing. That's really cool. And Skyline has a unique history because John Maxwell was a pastor there. That's correct. So you you were part of that. I started on staff uh, while John was still a pastor, and he was doing his whole uh, leadership thing. And, uh, and it was before he moved to Atlanta and took his leadership program there. But uh, the Living Christmas Tree was well underway. Uh, and uh, in, the year that, in the year that I came, um, we had... Well, it was actually the year before they'd ramped up and we'd added dozens of moving lights and we rented sound system from Las Vegas and brought it in and set it up in the church. And uh, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, one of them sound systems from Las Vegas. That's right. <laughs> and Jay, what's your connection to David Jeremiah? You've done some events with him, right? So, yeah, just the special events in New York. Um, some of that stuff, I've just been one of the audio guys on hand, brought in gear, and just been the house guy. Um, so, Brian, outside of like the gear changing, you mentioned too, like you've just seen church change. You know, it's not just Wednesday night prayer meetings and Sunday school anymore. So, are you are you feeling a similar steps getting smaller but moving faster there also? I know over the years we've seen so much we've seen so many changes from when I was when I was a kid and it was just basic choir um, and you'd have solos and so forth and then as I transitioned uh, into Shadow Mountain and they had a school they had a high school and they had a college we did school programs and there was Christmas programs you know there was the Christmas tree we had Easter cantatas uh, there's school graduations, school programs, and then you have, and then as ministry, as churches started to change, we started seeing men's ministry and women's ministry and all of these, they would do, they would have, uh, small meetings and they would have large meetings and they'd have conferences and so forth. Um, yeah, and we've seen some of those other, some of those, some of the music things fall away. You know, we don't do the cantatas, we don't do the big choir things anymore. We've gone to the tighter, the tighter singing groups, the the worship teams and the bands instead of piano and organ. So obviously, as the program changed, uh, we would see the equipment that we needed to change, uh, from you know wedges on the floor to in ear monitors, would come the entire distance. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But one thing hasn't changed is the need for pastors to get their messages out. So a bit unique for you is you've always been a part of that. It could be new to a lot of people because yes. of, you know, YouTube. Now any pastor can have his own YouTube channel. Any church can. Yes. But when you started with David Jeremiah, he was a bit of a pioneer for broadcasting in the church. Yes. And there wasn't any internet. And part of the way, 
part of the way for him to get out, he was doing it on the radio, and we started doing it on television. Uh, but we were also putting his sermons as uh, on cassette tape. Uh, and we'd record on reel, and we had devices to change it over to cassette tape, and we'd do cassette du- duplication. And of course, across the years, that's changed. That changed to CDs. Uh, here at Skyline, we uh, uh, we we moved uh, we briefly into DVDs and found that that was a terrible choice, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and started putting the recordings onto the webs onto our website. So getting the message out through you know the radio, television, cassettes, uh, and now on the web has been amazing. Man, I used to love uh, when I was in high school taking the master CD recording and going to the duplicator that was in a closet and just sitting there and burning like, you know, 50 yeah. of them. Yeah. I remember that the church I worked at in Knoxville, I, I was responsible for that. It was like, I swear it was half my job was burning <laughs> DVDs and CDs, like hundreds of them a week for the sh- the shut in ministry. We had that tower that would burn them at 16 X or something, you know? It was, yeah. It was what it was like, there's a lot of those sitting in closets, so I can guarantee you that. There sure are. There are. And those things were expensive. They were like a thousand bucks for those things. Yeah. You had to have uh, the printer and everything. That was crazy. I basically spent three years of my life doing that <laughs> at a small church. I just want everyone to know. I love it. <laughs> okay, Brian, looking back, it, I don't know if you've had time to reflect on this. I'm, I'm sure you will once retirement kicks in, but is there something... Uh, a sentiment or a season or something specific that you can look back and think about that you're just really proud of that you got to be a part of or something you feel responsible for personally. I think that, uh, uh, one of the most fun things to be part of was when Skyline did the living Christmas tree and people will have, I mean, it's, it's been 20 years since we did it. Yeah. Uh, it went on for 25 years, but literally we haven't done it for 20 years. But it was an amazing program that put together uh, technology and music and people. And because it was so big and we did so many performances and it took half, I mean, it took so much of our life during that period of the, that season of the year, uh, everybody became family. And uh, there was the relationships with the with the tech people that you worked with. There's the relationships with the cast, uh, you know, the crew. And uh, it just was an amazing time. Uh, as far as uh, that's probably the best feeling time. Uh, the the thing I'm most proud of is what we're doing right now. Uh, uh, having come uh, where our technology is for our church and the the volunteer staff that we have, and what we're doing on a daily, you know, daily and a weekly basis, a weekend basis, and in live in the church and then what we're able to put on the web. Uh, I'm proud of our guys and uh, I'm really proud of the product we're putting out. That's great. That is great. So one last question, I guess, um, thinking in terms of just your experience and your, your legacy and your wisdom, what would you say to the guy who's out there trying to build a good core team? Like you were able to do with volunteers. Like, is there any, specific advice that you would say, you know, beyond the gear, beyond the the need that we all feel sometimes for a new console or a new PA or whatever's kind of next, on the people side, any specific advice for building that team? Because I think, you know, the churches that do volunteer recruitment and development really well 
are the ones that are going to be able to have people serve alongside that leader for years and years like you've had. So what's the what's the one thing that you would say to those guys in terms of just the best way to make that a real thing? Well, I think it's a personal connection. Uh, you really got, you really have to uh, look into the person and, and, and see and listen to them and see what they, uh, uh, what they feel like they want to do uh, and then see if you can help them. Uh, or if you see that that's, that what they want to do isn't exactly a fit for what their capabilities are, get them into the right place. Uh, but uh, it's it is the personal connection, and it's paying attention to the guys and uh, and making sure you listen to them and make sure you talk into them and uh, and make sure you respect them uh, for the time that they're giving if because they are volunteers. That's good. Empathy is a uh, deadly weapon if us introverts will use it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Brian, quick uh, quick question here, like. Um, uh, someone that is new, or say that there's a 21 year old kid that's at the church, or even a 13 year old kid like you were, the amount of technology that they're exposed to and how quickly they can adapt looks way different than than someone my age and then someone Jeff's age. You know, is twice as old as me almost. And so, <laughs> like, uh, I I was kind of in a very much of a hybrid. I'm 39, so it was very much. Started analog, came to digital. Jeff and I kind of lived that world together at the church we were at, and and stuff. And and Lee was Lee. Did you ever mix analog? Yes, I can't remember. I did. <laughs> um, if Skyline needs a monitor engineer, Lee's free on Sundays. Um, Perfect. He loves monitors. <laughs> um, but like, so a lot of times I'm getting schooled by a lot of young kids because. When I say, oh, you do it this way, you can do this, this way, and, and they look at me like, duh. You know, it's like it's uh. somewhat na- way more natural for them than it is for me. Like, So training looks very different with the younger generation that's here now and then the middle-of-the-road guys. And so how has how is that been for you? I know you mentioned, like, uh, the cameras and stuff like that. What's amazing is how fast they do pick it up. Uh, which is actually a blessing. I mean, it's because uh, when you think back about how long, how uh, the amount, the amount of things you've done, but how long it's taken to acquire that knowledge or to figure like when digital stuff first came along or when you get the new TV gear or whatever, sitting down and figuring out how to work the thing and diving into all the menus and everything. Uh, uh, for me, it takes a little while to do that. But when you bring uh, a young guy along uh, or a young lady and, um, and you show it to them and they seem to just almost naturally uh, figure out what's going on, it's, uh, it's actually uh, refreshing. I have n- noticed a little bit of um, what's next kind of vibe from the younger ones that are able to master things so quickly. Uh, I, I st- I'm still like learning so much, but it feels like a lot of guys younger than me already know it all. Like literally the, the technology that, that they know it all. And so it's a little bit of like, so how is that in retaining volunteers or keeping things exciting and fresh? How has that been over the span of 40 years? I feel like you just you run the same play. 
it's if you have a personal connection, like you said, that kind of trumps everything. I think one of the more important things, though, in uh, 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 the guys that are there, they adapt to the gear very quickly, but you've got to remind them of uh, the personal side of ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to keep them on track and make sure that it's not just all about the gear, that it's about the ministry and it's about people and that there's an important interaction with other people. And that uh, even though you might know it all, that maybe it isn't the right thing to tell them, you know, it all. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between knowing it all and being a know-it-all. And, uh, you know, I think if we, um, gosh, I mean, the more, access to te- technology and the more technologically adept especially these young guys are the more important it is to focus on the why and focus on the ministry part and focus on the heart because if they are raised into a culture that thinks that it's just about what we do instead of why we do it right then yeah they'll get there quickly on the how but they won't last because the why trumps the how every time so if we can if we can focus focus on reinforcing the why we're here to lead people in worship we're here to partner with the people on stage we're here to help our pastor facilitate the vision of the church we're here to not just twist a knob and push a fader but to be a worship leader ourselves that goes miles toward staying power and community and authenticity and all the things that these kids want. So, uh, two quick more questions. Mental health wasn't as big of a topic as it is today, especially in production, whether it was roadie or church production type worlds and burnout, obviously. So what, what are ways in 40 years that you've saved yourself from burnout or helped someone else with mental health or any of those things? Well, I think it's just been in the last, um, it may be just been in the last five, uh, t- five to 10 years, probably, uh, probably the last five years that this has become so important because things seem to be moving so fast. And uh, as the churches grow, they add more and more programs and there's more and more activities, there's more and more events and uh, coverage may become thin and you find yourself uh if you can't get people to cover or you, or, you know, they've done a lot, uh, you find yourself doing a lot of the work yourself, uh, that, uh, it's important to find a way to, uh, to step back and to, uh, figure out a way to relax and to turn it off for a while. That's great. That's good. If you could have done anything else besides this, what would it have been <laughs> now, now that you're retiring? <laughs> I actually don't know. I do not. And this it's this is what I've done all of my life, and I don't know if there was anything else that I would have liked to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've had a blast doing it, and you've certainly been a part of some influential things along the way, from John Maxwell and David Jeremiah to the way you guys serve the local community um, at Skyline. So we're just so proud to have had you here. Thanks so much for what you've done for your local church, but for the big C church as well over all these years. And um, just thanks for being on our podcast. Gosh, what a, what a great conversation. And uh, just, it's been great to talk to you. Well, you're welcome. It's been a joy to be here. All right. Thanks, Brian. Enjoy retirement. <laughs> thanks guys. Man, that was such a great interview. 
how many more Brian's are out there? Are there any more Brian's out there? I know. Are there any left? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just, I love pioneers like him. Kind of paved the way. Humble, sweet, no big agenda. You know, just want to take care of what's in front of him. I absolutely love that. As a model for uh, a guy who feels like he's a Lone Ranger, trying to build volunteers, trying to just sort of figure out, you know, how to keep a team around hearing from somebody like Brian, I hope is an encouragement to know that there are people out there who've been leading volunteer only ministries for 27 years and it has thrived. So I hope you heard something from him that will just encourage you and maybe give you an idea of how to implement, how you care for your team to a point where they don't want to leave. That's so good. That's awesome. I think the big takeaway was it's not about the gear. It's about the people. Totally. Which we know, but it's always great to hear it. So I love it, it so is. much. All right, fellas, the six-week countdown has begun. Man. Dun, dun, dun. Can't wait. I got to go work on I got to go look at my closet, see what I can wear. You, black shirts. Well, some I can't fit into. Some have turned oh. into crop tops recently <laughs> from, a dry, from, a dry, from a drying episode. <laughs> so. And I think we can get Sandstrom in uh, a pair of Crocs by the halfway point of the tour. And I think we can get you in a pair by the end. <sighs> What's so funny is I used to have Crocs. And I like I remember this one summer that I didn't take them off. And then it was over for me. And now when I see someone in Crocs in public, I'm like, ugh gross they're everywhere though but they are i ain't doing it (laughs) (laughs) not even if they say mxu on them nope no (laughs) that's awesome okay fair enough all right fellas mxu golf shoes now we're talking (laughs) i can get you a black mxu golf ball since you never lose the golf ball and it never leaves the fairway it would be easy (laughs) to find it'll be you only get one so that's funny awesome all right boys much love y'all you too all right see you